the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. When I think of the book of Acts, I think of the word action. And Acts, the New Testament book, is a book full of action. It's what God is doing through his church. And it's really kind of the history book of the early church. And we'll continue our study of the book of Acts today. I welcome you to the program and do another week of Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland here, along with Bert Harper. And uh, Bert, um, were you on the road preaching this weekend? I was not. I, I, I am the next few weeks. I've got it, but this one was the week I wasn't. But I enjoyed some good preaching and praise the Lord. I heard you were in a church. Let's see, Fayetteville, North Carolina. Is that right? Yeah, and I'll tell you, down there at Fort Bragg and uh, well, Cumberland County, Hoke. County, Rayford, Rockfish, Parkton, Fayetteville. We have listeners in all those places, Hope Mills. And Rockfish Church is just such a blessing. Pastor Tony McVickers and all the great people, uh, they just are wonderful. And, you know, we had uh, an AFR meeting there with uh, Ed Vitagliano and Walker and Wesley, I don't know, seven, eight, nine months ago, and they hosted that. And, uh, that Rockfish is a great church, and I know many people that were there with us this weekend are probably listening right now, but we talked about biblical worldview and apologetics and saw some young people on Friday night accept Christ, and it was just great. So Pastor Tony McVickers and everyone in Fayetteville and Rockfish Church, we love you. Amen. Tony and his wife came to one of our fishbowl uh, meetings and we got to did meet they? him. Yeah, they did. We loved it and and just enjoyed them so much. So, amen. I was glad you were there. And so, talking about church meetings, let's have one today in Acts chapter fifteen, where two churches kind of come together to solve an issue. It's the church at Antioch and the church at Jerusalem, and uh, they a group of the people from Antioch go down to the church at Jerusalem, and we see some things and. Not only what they decided, but Alex, I get enjoyment to see how they decided. They started out with a big group. There was disagreement. They went to the leaders. The leaders started talking about it. And then they came back to the whole church and made the recommendation. And uh, I, I believe it's a good pattern for churches when they have some difficult issues to, to how, how to operate. So anyway, uh, I yeah. look forward to Acts 15. It's one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible, if you want to know the truth. Well, amen. I mean, well, it's a very appropriate topic and chapter in the chronology because it says, and certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren, saying, now listen to this, except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. All right, so they're adding Mosaic works to the gospel of faith in Jesus, God's grace. And we've seen over the last several chapters, you know, this, uh, the clarifying of the gospel, are things clean to eat or not eat? Do you have to add a work to it? And uh, you don't, it's by faith in Jesus. But given that I believe God's word, part of the purpose of this is to clearly define and reiterate what is the gospel, it's faith, not works. 
Bert, I've got to say this, verse 2 kind of makes me smile. It says, When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, <laughs> they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. The, the, the Bible can understate things just very subtly. Uh, when it says they had no small dissension... <laughs> They were hashing it out, weren't they? They were. That That is, uh, you know, underestimating what was taking place. Two things I want to stay here. It has nothing to do with what you said, but I love, like you said, chronological, and I love geographical. I always was frustrated before I learned better that they went down, or, or it says, and the certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren. Now, mm. Antioch is north of Jerusalem. Now, the okay. way we talk about in America, that's going up, you know? You go up yeah. north and you go down, down south. south. And For so, us, it is. Yeah. So I, I was always, oh, that can't be. So anytime it's talk about Jerusalem and a Jewish writer's writing it, no matter if they go north, south, east, or west, they go, go down from Jerusalem. And, up uh, to Jerusalem. And up down to from Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Yeah. The other thing, the chronological order, this is close to around 49 to 50 A.D. This is a few years, maybe 15 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So we've been operating in this. That's when most people think this occurred, around 12 to 15 years later. And, and so, Alex, that puts a, a little context in how long uh, that had been, Paul had been on his first missionary journey. He's back. He had spent three years in Arabia. He had spent some time in Tarsus. So, and it was before he got saved in uh, Acts chapter 9 that we find all this. So that puts a little bit of, I, I would say, chronological numbers into the time frame that we're looking at here. Sure. Well, that, that's good to know, and I'm glad you uh, shared all that. I like this. It says they should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. Now, Paul is an apostle. He has seen the risen Jesus. That's, uh, you know, Peter was an apostle. He was with Jesus. John, of course, uh, the disciples. But all the people in the New Testament that are called apostles are people who had seen the risen Jesus. But they go their way. It says, being brought on their way by the church, they pass through Phenis and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they cause great joy unto all the brethren. You remember the last verse in chapter 14 had been this amazing news that God had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Bert, Jew, Gentile, anybody can be saved, can't they? That is good news. Anybody, everybody, God's not willing that any should perish. Guess who's included in that any? Every nationality, every tribe. When you get to the book of Revelation, and it talks about those that were standing before the throne praising the Lord, every tongue, every tribe, every language, every nation. Alex, the good news is those who are listening today, no matter what nationality you might be, no matter your ethnicity, no matter your gender, male or female, and you're one of those, guarantee you were born that way. It yeah, is, it's, you're either or. Either, yes, right. There's good news. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. And it is by grace through faith. And notice what they did. 
in verse 4 it says, And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church. Now, the reason I want to make mention of that is similar to what I did in the beginning. Notice how they handle this issue. They first bring it before the whole church. And notice what it says, And the apostles and the elders, and they reported all the things that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who were believed rose up saying, It is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Now, this was taking place entire in the full church. Guess who's there? All the church. That means who? Male, female, and children. Okay, here is a disagreement. How are they going to handle it? In place of them just going at it and, like you said, a no small dissension, notice what happens in verse 6. Now, the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. They handed it off to these church leaders to look at it and discuss it in a smaller group where you would not have so many people. It is hard to have, quote, any kind of business meeting, any kind of discussion with the whole group without some direction. So they give that to the apostles and the elders to discuss it. Now, again, I look at that as a possible pattern in myself. I look at it as a good pattern, brother. Amen. Well, and you know what? This is one of those moments, you know, really in all of history that wouldn't it have been an incredible blessing to be just a, a, a fly on the wall, yeah. you know? They, they have this discussion, and Peter gets up, and he says, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Notice verse 7, it says, Hear the gospel and believe. That's how you are born again. You hear the good news and believe. It doesn't say and believe plus this, that, and the other. But, goodness, Peter is recounting some stuff that God did. And, you know, we see that a number of times in this book, that they, they reiterate what God has done. God, who knows the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts, just like verse 7, verse 9 says, by faith. Bert, uh, don't we see over and over, it's, it's faith, not works, isn't it? It is, and notice this word. You're the, you're the word master here. And I, you majored in English under undergraduate work. I didn't. I, I just admit that I was a math major. But purifying their heart. Mm. What beautiful. Un, unadulterated, not double-minded. One way, purifying the heart. What is that? It is having a heart for God, Alex. That's where the word comes from. It comes from the I think it comes from the same idea of a saying, you know, how how an assayer looks and sees what's oh, yeah. in it. And this is one that is purified. Your heart has been purified. You're not double-minded. You're going toward Christ. Oh, how we need that in the church today. We need single-mindedness of glorifying God. That's our ultimate goal, not to build each, uh, myself up, not to do harm, not to have my way, but purifying with my heart. May God get the glory and him get the honor. Well, and do you know what the word there, uh, speaking of words, it's just beautiful. Uh, verse 9, purifying their hearts by faith. If you look in the Greek, the, the word is catharsis, yep. Now, which means to purify or cleanse. And somebody 
a lot of times nowadays people use that word in in terms of two things, medical issues or emotions. Somebody that's bereaved or stressed, they'll say, well, you know, I took a walk outside and it was it was really cathartic. It helped me. It felt good. Or in uh, a medical treatment, the healing of somebody, they'll say uh, this or that procedure, uh, at this catharsis, it's healing. Uh, that word is used there in Acts fifteen nine, speaking of our salvation, that, um, yes, it is purification. And by the way, the wording had this long history of being ceremonially clean. Right. Something that was according to the law and was ceremonially appropriate, it was catharsis. And when you're born again, you don't have to keep the law because you've already fulfilled the law. You are cathartically clean in relation to God. You are ceremonially pure through faith in Jesus. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke of the neck on these disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? Why why are you attaching this to them? Now, notice to the disciples who are what? Living it and preaching it. Now, you got it? In other words, those that are preaching, they're not complicated. No, it's not by... It's not faith plus, it's by faith. It's through grace, by faith. And and don't mess with those that have been saved by saying, okay, you've done that, now you need to do this. And he adds, which you could never do nor I could ever do to begin with. Alex, yeah. uh, uh, Simon Peter just cuts through it, doesn't he? Well, let me just say this. Uh, legalism smothers people. Um you don't want to be a legalist. Now, standards and holiness and obedience, of course. But legalism, that's not the gospel. Amen. We're going to be back with more of Acts chapter 15 right after the break. And we're going to see saved in the same way as they were. Jews and Gentiles. Wow. This is Pause to Pray. A chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Michael Carvajal, Director of the Federal Bureau of Prisons. He oversees the nearly 37,000 employees responsible for the care, custody, and control of incarcerated individuals. Philippians 2.3 reminds us of the principles of good leadership. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Right now, with this in mind, would you pray with me? Almighty God, we ask you to guide Marco Carvajal in his work for the Federal Bureau of Prisons. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says how much you get of God depends a lot on how much you want. He'll take us to Luke 8, 4 through 11, where we'll look at the benefits of stimulating your spiritual appetite as we spend two minutes with Tony. You ever go to the uh, restaurant and order an appetizer? The appetizer is supposed to set you up for the full meal. But if you're satisfied with the appetizer, Why are you going to go get the entree? Watch this now. Hearing the Bible preached is an appetizer. Once you hear the sermon, no matter how much you liked it, enjoyed it, 
All you got was the appetizer. The disciples said, we want the entree. What does all this mean? What do I do with what you just taught? Uh, how am I supposed to orient myself in light of what you just said? In other words, they were not satisfied with the sermon, and most Christians are. The best sermon in the world is an appetizer. The crowds love the appetizer. The disciples wanted a meal. Jesus says to you, disciples, because you're serious, to you it has been granted to get in on the secrets, the mysteries, the, the things that are not generally available to everybody. The mysteries are for those followers of Jesus Christ who are not simply be satisfied to go through the Christian thing. Mm -mm. The mysteries are given to those who want the entree. Learn more about who you were created to be and how to live out your purpose successfully. Check out Tony's CD series, The Spiritual Toolkit, when you visit TonyEvans.org. Then be sure to join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Thank you for listening to American Family Radio. Here's a thought from Scripture. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fire. We've all run to things we know just ain't right. And there's a better life. There's a better life. And that life is found in Jesus Christ, in Christ alone. In Acts chapter 15, they're finding out it is Jesus and Jesus alone. And they talked about the grace of the Lord. Jesus and Jesus Christ of him, we shall be saved in the same manner as they, Jew and Gentile, being saved. Verse 12 starts off, Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. And after they had become silent, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree just as it is written. And I, I'm just going to skip down to verse 17. You may want to read the rest of it. So that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does all these things. That's from Amos chapter 9, verses 11 and 12. Alex, James, who is the senior pastor, he hmm. has a word. After he's heard it, he's ready to settle the question, isn't he? He really is. And like you said, this is a church business meeting, really kind of a theological summit meeting but it, it does get resolved. And, you know, when people are led by the Holy Spirit, they're informed by truth and led by the Spirit, and they're seeking reconciliation, but really seeking truth, uh, not reconciliation at the expense of the gospel, but led by the Spirit and informed by truth, good things can come out of it. We hear so many stories of 
you know, bad uh, resolutions of things, but this is good resolution as it always can be when the Holy Spirit is in charge. But listen to this. Uh, we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Saul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles. And, you know, then James speaks. Um, I would have loved to have been in that multitude, verse 12, and, and been able to watch this theological uh, this important theological meeting transpire. It would have been something to see and hear, wouldn't it? It would have. Really, this is the first church council. You've heard of Nicaea yeah, exactly. and Chalcedon. Yeah. This is the first one. And it demonstrates, that's the reason I have been going over how to do it. Uh, I, yeah. Yes, what was resolved is beyond measure how important it was. But also, and, and here we are today, preaching and believing and following that very same gospel of grace. Isn't that beautiful? But also, see how they did that. They did it in a harmonious way. You're just talking about, you know, reconciling, harmonious. Harmony doesn't always mean that you say the same thing. Now, I'm not a music guy. You are music. I understand in a choir, let me see, there's alto and there's... Uh, uh, you know, soprano, bass tenor, and, tenor and bass, and, and, they say yeah. the same words, but they have a different kind of measure and different notes, don't they, Alex? Well, they do. And by the way, speaking of music, this is a little analogy. You know, Psalm 19 says, the heavens and earth declare the glory of God. Uh, in music, there's what's called a resolution. Uh, it, you want it to come back to the root, or the. sometimes it's called the tonic, the key it's in. So let's say you're in the key of C, you know, C, A minor, F, and G, and you get to the, the final measures, and if you don't end on the root, something just doesn't sound right. And so all good songs resolve, and it, sometimes it's called the coda, C-O-D-A, but we are made for resolution. I love in Acts 15 how it resolved, and uh, Bert, sometimes people talk about getting good closure on something. Now, the reason I'm belaboring that point for a moment, let me say, you want to be right with people. You want to be right with yourself, and you want to be right with God. Uh, don't live a life without healthy, God-honoring closure. Amen. Don't, don't get sideways with somebody. Pray. Let the Lord lead, be. Make sure you're led by the Lord, but do that fence mending and, and be right with people, especially your family members. Uh, I love this in 14 and following, um, 14 through about 21, uh, Simeon declared how God did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And he goes and references some of the Old Testament things, but it, it's good. The, verse 19 says, the Gentiles turned to God and it pleased the apostles and the elders and the whole church what's being said. Uh, I love 22 that, see, they, they talk about what the gospel is and what the gospel is for. Jew and Gentile to be saved because God was calling out a people for himself. Alex, this brings us to this steps that I was talking about. Let me go over it once again. In uh, verse 4, they received what the Holy Spirit had done by the whole church, but yet there was dissension. 
with those that were saying, well, we don't know about this. We think they need to maybe become Jews before they become Christians. In verse 6, the apostles and elders took it under advisement. They heard some, and they heard the same things that the multitude did. But now you come back to the resolution that you were talking about, verse 22. Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church. That was it. In other words, they ironed it out, but what they had ironed out, and they come back with the leadership. And when leadership does it right, guess what usually happens? Other people usually agree and come alongside and uh, doing it right. They not only got the right answer, but they did it in the right way. Alex, mm. those those are important. So I've heard people say, well, it doesn't matter how we do it, just so we get it done. It does matter it how, does how, matter you, how do you do it, do it doesn't, doesn't it? it? It does. Yeah. And you've referred to that, that this resolution. Now, listen to the rest of it. And to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch, with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also named Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. Now, Silas, you know, under, under, underline that. God's, <laughs> I just want to say this, God knows what's coming, so he's going to oh, have yeah. the right personnel at the right place at the right time to get his will done, if we'll just listen to him. Ministry flows out of relationships, doesn't it? It does. Uh, I listen. I'm not going to take time to tell it now, but I think in in my Christian life, uh, and well, being in the ministry, you know, I was a volunteer back in the '80s as a new believer, and then was a was a youth pastor for 11 years. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, but here's the thing: probably half a dozen key relationships ended up charting the next 30 years of my adult life. Yeah. And I look at this uh, in verse 22, you're going to see these key relationships, uh, men of their own company uh, to Antioch with Paul, Barnabas, namely Judas, surname Barsabas, Silas, chief men among the brethren. They wrote letters, the apostles and the brethren sent greeting unto the brethren which are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria. Uh, you're right. These are some key relationships that are going to do some key work for the Lord. You know, earlier in the chapter, I talked about how I, the wording was just so endearing, no small dissension. Uh, I, I think that verse 25 is very endearing. It seemed good to us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. This is part of these letters uh, that they're saying that... Uh, you don't need to keep the law and be circumcised. The letter, the letter starts in verse twenty-four. Three, yeah, yeah and, and and goes all the way through verse twenty-nine. This mm-hmm. is a letter. Let me make that come in. Hold where you're at, but this will really make sense. This is a shorter version of of the book of James. Now, James, it seems, is the one that may have authored it or approved it as as the leader or the pastor. And when you read the book of James, it really goes over this balancing act of our salvation by grace, but we are not to have works. It says, do not be just hearers of the word, but be what? Doers Doers. as well. And so here in this, you had a shorter version. One other, I want to connect it to the book of Galatians. Galatians was possibly the first book that Paul wrote. A lot of people think, we know it was one of the earlier books, 
but a lot of people think it was the first book. And when you read the book of Galatians, it's demonstrating the power of grace. So out of this council, Alex, I feel like possibly two other letters would be a part of it, extension of it. Do you catch what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in a way, this letter, like you said, 24 through 29, is almost the minutes of their meeting. It, you know? Right. Um, it, so, for as much as we have heard certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your souls. Isn't that something? It is. Saying you must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. Hey, this this gospel of works, you didn't hear it from us. That's what they're saying, isn't it? It is. And so uh, this is good. Verse 26, men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. When I think about those that laid down their life of, of for the gospel, I think of Hebrews 11, don't you, Bert? That's right. Therefore, we have sent Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth, for it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from meats offered to idols. Now, by the way, 29, um, this is repentance and godliness. This is not what gives us salvation, but this is just some good, practical, godly, righteous living. Uh, abstain from meats offered to idols, from blood, things strangled, and from fornication, of course, uh, from which if you keep yourselves, you will do well. Notice it, it says if you keep yourselves from these things, you'll be saved. That's not what it says. But it, it is saying if you're a believer, you need to live a life of holiness and you're doing the right thing if you flee sin and pursue Christ-likeness. Alex, these are what you call boundaries. You know, I've used this illustration before. When my family with three boys went to the Grand Canyon, I'd never been more proud of some boundaries sitting looking over the edge of the cliffs in my mm -hmm. life. I was thankful they had those boundaries there because the three little boys, that looked a good place to see if you really can fly. But no, those boundaries, these boundaries are for the good of the fellowship. It's not just good for the fellowship of the Jews and the Gentiles coming together. It would be good for everyone when it comes to health concerning the blood. It would be it's right concerning marriage and life, concerning fornication, immorality. So the whole idea, every one of these limits are for the good, not for the harm. Amen. Well said. Well, it says uh, they were dismissed. They came to Antioch, which when they had read, they rejoiced for the consolation. Uh, they know what the gospel is. They've got it on good authority, and that's worth getting excited about. And Judas and Silas being prophets also themselves, in the sense of forth-telling the word of God, exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. Uh, hey, Judas and Silas here that have been sent to deliver this letter and this message, they, they, they've got them a preaching engagement, don't they? <laughs> they do. Now, this is beautiful. They welcomed them in. Now, they already had a bunch of preachers. You remember two of them were sent out, Barnabas and, and Saul, but they had three remaining. But they, they were ready. They knew they had something to stay and listen to what. And after they had stayed there for a time, they were sent back with greetings from the brethren of the apostles. However, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. 
Now, Alex, again, he was sent and he remained. And we haven't heard the last of this young man, have we? <laughs> no, that's for sure. That's for sure. We're going to see him again. Um, it says uh, that Silas abode there. Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. That's what ministers of the gospel do. Uh, they they uh, exhorted the brethren, Judas and Silas, Paul and Barnabas, preaching and teaching. And Paul and Barnabas, some days later, said, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. This is the heart of a shepherd, verse 36. You not only lead them to Christ, but, you know, Bert, don't you have people that you might have either led to the Lord or ministered to decades ago, and you still keep in touch with them? Yes, we do. And notice, this will be the third visit because after Paul and Barnabas had gone through they returned and visited some of those churches on their way back to Antioch. And now on their second missionary journey, there's, they're going to visit some of these churches and check up on how they're doing a few years later. There's some years remaining here, about one or two years that, you know, they've been here remaining and now they're ready to be sent out. And, and this, again, establishing them. Let me bring in a word, and we're going to have to come back to the rest of this tomorrow. We're going to run out of time, but it's a good place to start. stop here. But, Alex, it brings in the area of accountability. That's good, too. Paul and Barnabas are going to go back, yes, to encourage them, but it's also, have you done? Have you stayed true? Have you stayed right? Uh, we need some accountability, and it really works and helps, doesn't it? It does. It does. Hey, folks, when we come back, we're going to open up the phones with questions. The number, 888-589-8840. If you have a Bible question, call in today. Start off Monday with a Bible question, because when we come back, we'll open up the phones on today's edition of Exploring the Word. Don't go away. The American Family Association's mission is to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. Our goal is to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Here's another of our core values. AFA upholds the truth that all human beings, including the unborn, are created in the image of God and are worthy of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Thank you for standing with us, and we thank you for your support. Hi, this is Pastor Robert Morris. I'm often asked, how do I grow in my relationship with the Lord? How do I hear God? What is God's plan and purpose for me? I want to personally invite you to join me on Sunday mornings right here on AFR for worship and the Word. And we will discover the answer to these questions together. We'll explore the truths found in God's Word that will help you strengthen your faith and develop a more intimate relationship with Him. You shall not steal. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The J. Robinette Biden administration has proposed a new $1.8 trillion so-called infrastructure spending package. They plan to make a massive increase in enforcement at the IRS, a central component of this new spending plan. How do they plan to do it? Increase the IRS budget to beef up the number of agents and new tools and technology at the IRS to increase collections and audits of American citizens to bolster the government's financial coffers. That's it. That's the plan. 
Tax like crazy. Spend like crazy. Redistribute like crazy. We are witnessing the establishment of the American Politburo, complete with an expanding taxation collection force. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with a minute in God's Word to help you keep moving forward. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. A young traveler saw an old man sitting outside a gas station and asked him, Sir, is there anything special about this little town? The old man thought for a moment and then answered, Well, yes, son, there is. You can start from here and go anywhere in the world. Well, you know, Jesus living his life through you makes it possible for you to become what you could never be on your own. He can take you anywhere in the whole world in his name. So don't fear that you're not special enough for God to use you. If you'll surrender your life completely to the Lord, you'll be amazed at what he can do as he works through you as his brand new creation. For more resources, visit Moving Forward Join me every Sunday morning at 830 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Just give me Jesus. When we uh, pick up with Acts 15 tomorrow, I was thinking about wrapping it up today, Bert, but there's a really important section there in the last seven or eight verses, and so let's, we'll, we'll revisit that tomorrow if that's okay, but go to the phones right now. You okay with that? I am. Just let me say one word, commentary on that. What Satan meant for evil, God turned into good. I honestly yes. believe there's no better explanation than the latter part of chapter 15. Exactly. Uh, uh, God... Let God get into it. Let him have his way. Okay, let's go to the phone lines. Well, we're going to go to Mississippi, the beautiful state of Mississippi, and we're going to talk to Thomas. Thomas, thank you for holding, and welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you for taking my call. I enjoy your program. And uh, To God be the glory. I was thinking about, I would get absolutely, I was thinking about uh, in the Bible where it says, and God said, let us make man in our image. I, I interpret it to mean that he was talking to Jesus and the Holy Spirit because I believe they, I believe God is one God made up of three individual persons. And uh, the uh, one that's Pentecostals obviously don't believe that. Another thought I had is it says God sent his only son in order to give us salvation. And uh, um, if he... If he had a son, which I believe he did from from eternity, then he can send him. Uh, if he didn't, maybe the oneness think that Jesus didn't exist till he was born of Mary. I don't really understand what they believe, and I, and I don't believe it at all, but I'm sure they don't understand how they came up with uh, with their theology or whatever you, whatever you call it. I don't okay, thank you, Thomas. Alex, uh, does it have, since the Trinity, the Bible teaches, but let me just say it's far beyond our, our complete comprehension. You know, complete. Yeah. That people try to come up with something else. You know, and uh, I'm not sh- when if and I, we don't want to hurt people saying these words. We're just doing the Bible study, 
how in the world let's make man in our image and the spirit moved over the face of the deep and then you come to John chapter 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God the same was in the beginning with God and how else could you interpret that and not I don't say you could interpret it any other way and be correct oh exactly and let me say this that the Trinity Father Son Holy Spirit not only is it throughout Scripture but but classically Orthodox Christianity true Christianity has recognized the revelation of God uh, his triune nature for 2,000 years and uh, you know, we've, we've done a lot with the Trinity over the years. I mean, we've done content on this, but the Trinity is clearly biblical, and the denial of the Trinity, actually, it's like the oneness Pentecostalism that came about 110 years ago from Canada. Uh, it really goes back to an ancient heresy called modalism, yeah. that God exists in different modes, and so I w I'm not going to unpack all that right now, but let me say, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, but the Trinity, that's how he's revealed himself, and, and that's how God's nature is. One more uh, thing. Thomas, let me say one more thing. When yeah. Jesus was baptized, you had the Father speaking, and the Holy Spirit descended as a dove, three separate individuals, mm -hmm. but yet one. We're going to go to Georgia and talk with Joshua. Joshua in Georgia, welcome to Exploring the Word. All right. Thank you guys for taking my call. Um, by the way, I'm in Warner Robins, Georgia. Oh, wonderful. Uh, Bert and I have been there. You've been there, yes. Yeah, y'all. Um, yeah, didn't y'all do a thing in Centerville at the Methodist Church down there? We did, and in fact, let me just say this, folks. Uh, Bert and I have done this uh, spiritual town hall meeting where we come and just have a night, and we've done Virginia and several places. So if it might take a few months to get it on the calendar, but if you want Bert and Alex to come to your church, send us an email, word at AFR.net, and just like we were in Warner Robins, we might come to your town. That way we wouldn't have to ans ask, answer the question, where's Bert or where is Alex? We'd be there together. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's so sweet. People ask that a yeah, lot. But yeah. uh, Joshua, what you got, my friend? What you got for well, us? I wasn't able to go to that meeting, but I was just going to say two quick questions. One, in the Daniel chapter 10, what is, what is it, the kings of the north and the south? Is that Egypt and Syria? And the other question is, First Timothy, where Paul talks, tells Timothy to watch his life and doctrine closely. If he and to persevere, if he persevere in him, if he does, he will save himself and his hearing and his hearers. Um, that's not obviously talking about salvation, because you're saved by grace through faith. So, uh, what's that mean? Uh, I'll hang up and I'll listen to you guys. Thank Alex. Does it have to perseverance of the saints? The perseverance of the saints is complete. It's sort of like, what is it in uh, Philippians 1, 6? He who began a good work in you will complete it in Christ Jesus. In other words, God perseveres, and we persevere through him. They work together, and yeah, it can be a little confusion, but it, it is working together. God working in us, and we dependent on him, aren't we? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, by the way, um, the question about the kings of the north and the south, we did a series on Bible prophecy that is available in the AFA store. And uh, we t it's basically about the book of Revelation, but we reference Daniel quite a bit, don't we? And, you know, um, the invading nations, and by the way, we're seeing such a time of anti-Semitism right now, um, but the king of the north in Daniel chapter 11, uh, some people have uh, over the years named names like, you know, Alexander the Great and different ones like that. But uh, most of the scholars think that it's Syria, Syria, and um, there's also possibly an invasion coming from Russia and uh, Ezekiel 38 and well, Ezekiel 38, 30 might be a reference to that. Now, the king of the south is a reference to uh, a king that lived three, <coughs> excuse me, 300 years before the birth of Christ, a king named Ptolemy. He's referenced in, in Daniel eleven forty, And so uh, there are going to be, without getting too deep into it right now, during the end times, there are going to be nations, Syria, China, Russia, that attack Israel. And Ptolemy kind of was a precursor to this, but the Antichrist is going to defeat these forces and increase his international power and control. And uh, so anyway, uh, Daniel, though it was written hundreds of years before the birth of Christ, it talks about things that are going to play out, and they, even some of the staging for all this might be in process even as we speak right now. let's go to yeah let's go to texas connie in texas welcome to exploring the world Hi. good afternoon Bert and alex i appreciate your show i feel well, more uh, biblically knowledgeable listen to you fine gentlemen well thanks for listening um my question is i've honored on several um teachings at on the nighttime hour where uh Jesus is referred to as the son of David, and I just wanted to see if you could clarify. I'm going to hang up and listen. Okay. Thank you, Connie. Thank you for listening, and I appreciate your encouraging words. Alex, let me see. The sons of Abraham, even though they were five or six or seven generations away, they were still sons of Abraham. David, out of him, would become the Messiah, the King of Kings, if you would. Even from him, generations later, he would be the son of David. But it has more than that. It has a special relationship with kingdomship. When Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world, uh, all, uh, but a lot of his followers wanted to set up his kingdom right now like King David but he was the son of David, but his kingdom was going to be a little different, wasn't it? Well, yeah, because Second uh, Samuel 7, uh, 12 through 16 says his kingdom would be forever. Da King David, his kingdom wasn't forever, but the son of David, Jesus, this descendant, his kingdom would be forever. And do you remember, uh, it's in Luke, um, Luke 18, when the... Uh, was it a blind man who cried, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on if me? If I remember right, I think you're right. And so, you know, we, we often think of Jesus, the son of God, the Savior, the Messiah. But 
17 times in the New Testament, Jesus is called the son of David because he was a fulfillment of that 2 Samuel 7 prophecy that a descendant of David would have a forever kingdom. Isn't that interesting? It I, is. I think that, it is. Alex, how many times does his names in the New Testament refer back to a promise in the Old Testament so much? And the son oh, of yes. man, the son of David, uh, he is Messiah. He is Messiah. Let's go to Ohio. Uh, in Ohio, is it uh, Kristen? Yes, Kristen. Hey, thanks for holding. Thanks for taking my call, and thank you for your ministry. I enjoy listening to you on my way home from work every day. My question is kind of unusual, but I was wondering what your thoughts are on um, should a Christian attend the wedding of two people who have committed adultery with each other and divorced their first spouses so that they could be together? Okay. Uh, Alex? Uh, is that a conscience question, or is there a hard principle there? Um, l- let me ask this, uh, Kristen, if, if you're at liberty to say, and, and if you need to be discreet, I understand. Are these, like, close family members or relatives, or, like, what's yeah. the relationship they are? Um, um, well, it, yeah, it's a close family member, and um, it's two people who are also still claiming to be Christians, although they have... Um, left their spouse and chosen to continue a relationship with each other. Let me ask one more. Let me ask one more question. Is it a big wedding or just a ceremony? Um, It's a big wedding. And it's their, both of their second marriages and they're having a big wedding. Yes. Okay. Alex, (laughs) you know, um, and, and, and if somebody, to make a, a <laughs> spiritual statement doesn't go, it'll probably burn a bridge or at least severely damage it, won't it, Kristen? Uh, yes. Um, you know, I, I'm, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm thinking that's something you're going to have to pray about and, and search through. I, I can't say what I would do. It depends on how much I'm trying to minister to somebody. Now, I've been clear. I'm just speaking for me here. Uh, Like, if it were a a gay wedding, I I don't know that I could attend a gay wedding, no matter the fallout. But for something like this, I'm just going to speak for me off the top of my head. I wouldn't have a problem abstaining from going, even if people get mad and bent out of shape, because... Sometimes people misunderstanding or getting ill at you is just the price you pay for standing for God's truth. Because, um, listen, I want to say this. If they're in sin, they know it. They know it. And Bert, uh, I could be wrong here, so you feel free to disagree, but what, what, would, you, what would your counsel I, be? Bert? I would be cautious to go, but I would sit down and have a, a loving conversation with them, Kristen. I would not just... I'm going to show them I'm not going. Uh, that's that's showing that would show pride on my part. I'm not talking about you, but uh, I, I them the problem having a big. I have a problem with a big second wedding anyway. Okay, Alex. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've, for real. I've seen that in the have a ceremony, uh, a big second wedding. Uh, 
But Kristen, I'd sit down with them as honest as you can and say, I just want to tell you, I have these issues celebrating in a big way like this. Uh, you know, what y'all have done before getting out of your marriages so y'all could be together. Uh, you could be together. It causes me problems, and I love you, and I want to help, but I'm choosing not to be a part of it. Uh, I, Again, you're going to have to deal with it. I don't think there's a hard, fast rule. I can't think of a hard, fast rule on that, Alex. But, again, uh, their, their attitude of doing it and going to have a big one, it says something about that. I, it does to me. Uh, and, and let me say that the American people in recent decades have not treated marriage like the sacred covenant that it is anyway. And, you know, <laughs> I, I don't want to um, be um, brash and hurt anybody, but at the same time, I think... Um, corporately and individually, we're going to have to be vocal about our defense of marriage and, and that we hold God's marriage design in a high regard. And, you know, let me say this. If you're going to have this heart-to-heart talk, um, if possible, have have somebody with you. Yes. Pray. Don't get bent out of shape. Well, and I'm going to say a word here when you're having hard conversations. Bert, yesterday I had to have a... Uh, a hard phone call with an individual and I boy did I pray about it and and this man I called he received it he really did um but you've got to when you're having a potentially volatile conversation you've got to be dispassionate you can't get emotional I mean you've got to just be clear um firm but not abrasive but above all Pray so the Holy Spirit will overrule. Have those prayer warriors praying for you, Kristen. Lord, help her know what to do. May she speak the truth in love. May you guide her. May you lead her. And may this penetrate the hearts of the two individuals. And Father, whatever they could do, that they would turn to you. I pray this and believe this in Jesus' name. Amen. Alex, it's been a joy to be with you. We're going to be back tomorrow with more of Exploring the Word. So what does people want to do? If they tell them about the program, what's more important? Tell everybody about Jesus.